Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with female thought leaders, experts, and founders. We will be digging deep while sharing experience, insights, and tips for busy Generation X women seeking ways to strip back, simplify, live intentionally, and create space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tamu Thomas, founder of The 360 Brand. Welcome to episode 33, where I'm joined by Donna Noble, who is a yogi, blogger, writer, coach. She's an NLP master coach, entrepreneur, body positivity advocate. She does a whole load. But before I go forward, I have to tell you, Donna and I spent the first eight minutes of our interaction talking about, we talked about microblading because I have microblading eyebrows and then we talked about hair. Donna has sister locks and I've wanted sister locks for a long time, but they take a long time to do. They require a lot of maintenance and my hair's quite fine. So I was like, oh, I'm not sure if it's going to work for me. We, black women, we talk so much about hair, um, but it was really enjoyable. I have deleted it out because I don't think that everybody needs to be listening to Donna and I talking about the perks and the challenges of having um, sister locks but yeah we did anyway the conversation we had was a really beautiful conversation we talked about inclusivity in wellness we talked about Donna and her passion project campaign business curves some yoga which is a really inclusive body inclusive space for um, yoga because Donna was just fed up of the I guess, um, monolithic kind of ideals and services offered within yoga and wellness spaces. Um, yeah, it was a really nourishing, yes, again, nourishing conversation. Um, and we talked about, gosh, we talk about all sorts. We talked about how yoga was a really healing force for Donna. She was impacted by Bell's palsy and yoga really, really has been a huge part of her healing journey. Um, We talk about her going from a corporate role into starting a wellness business and all the things in between. I hope you enjoy. Hey, wonderful people. Thank you for being here for another episode of 360 Conversations. I'm really grateful for you spending your time with me because you could be doing anything else in the world, but you're choosing to be here with me. You're probably multitasking, which is fine, but um, I have a feeling that you're going to want to pay attention to this conversation. Not like my other conversations haven't been worth your full attention, (laughs) but today I am joined by Donna Noble and uh, Donna is a, well, Donna is a wonder woman of many talents. She's a yogi, a blogger, a writer, a coach, entrepreneur, body positive activist. And um, I came across Donna on Instagram, like most of the people I come across. And um, I really liked what I saw of her story. And we'll delve into that more shortly. Um I think I found Donna on Instagram around the time I was looking for women who are late 30s, 40 plus black women within their late 30s, 40 plus working within wellness, um, because it's something that I don't find very often. So I've had times when I've said, you know, 
could you name some 40 plus black women in wellness, wellness entrepreneurs in the UK? And people say me. And I'm like, no, it's not like not me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find other people. So when I came across Donna, it was absolutely fantastic. Donna does a whole lot of whole lot of, um, And before I go into her territory of telling her story, I'm going to hand over to Donna. Um, hi, Donna. Thank you for being here. Tamo, it's a lovely. Thank you for having me. I'm really pleased that we're going to be having this conversation. So before we go into it, please, could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Okay. Well, my name's Donna. And basically, um, I wear a lot of hats and you've alluded to some of those in terms of that. But mainly, I'm a yogi and I've evolved into a body positive yoga, a body positive yogi type, um, in basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also blog about body positivity and I'm finding that I'm writing. I write for magazines, um, not only just yoga magazines, but fitness magazines as well. And um, just anything that I find interesting, um, really. And now I'm finding I'm doing a bit more like social justice type things because the more I do what I do, I, I see where things aren't quite fair. And I try to rectify that and I represent that as well. And I do coaching. I'm also sort of moving more into um, about food. And diet culture, because diet culture is um, leading. Sorry, let me turn my phone off. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, what I'm finding with diet culture, Tamu, is that um, a lot of individuals, women and children, have a disconnect with their body, and they're sort of buying into this. I call it a media body, and um, they're not seeing that their body's okay as it is. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to do, and I've started to find my voice enough to start talking about it but it's not disordered eating it's disordered thinking and I'm finding um Tamu that a lot of the issues that we have is to do with the mind it's the way we think about things it's our mindset as opposed to um you know that creating our reality and once we realize that things become simpler and that's what's happened in my journey the more that I, I realize that my thoughts aren't necessarily real and the way in which I, I I sometimes explain this you can be in a traffic jam and you're ranting a raving you're you know pressing your horn you want to get from A to B in, in a hurry and then you can just the situation doesn't change but you can just flip that script and say you know what I've been busy all week let me just turn on the radio let me just chill mm-hmm. and there's nothing I can do with this scenario mm-hmm. nothing's changed mm-hmm. except your mindset mm-hmm. so one, the stress has gone away you're more relaxed mm-hmm. you chill and you just and you're seeing more of life so things you may not have seen before like this you know it could be a bright sunny day or it could listen be that is my everyday joy exactly. yes the moon can be out and before mm-hmm. I see that but now because I'm seeing here I'm in the moment more I'm not in the future yeah I can appreciate what yep. I have now and the more I do that time with the more I I realize the small I, I appreciate the small things yeah I you love know, that I love, love that um people that listen to my podcast or have connected with me via social media or whatever will know that that is literally the sort of thing I talk about all the time because we have little moments of magic all the time and if you're too busy thinking about what's next or being angry or whatever you just miss all of those and those things for me are the difference between surviving life and thriving in life um what you were saying about disordered thinking is really interesting, actually. Uh, I can't remember which day it was, but at some point this week, my friend Sally, who is on Instagram as Women with Sparkle, was talking about um, wherever she was. It was a sunny day. She's moved into a new house and the um, 
garden that she's got there's a mirror in it and she was in her bikini sunbathing and she was able to see like her cellulite in full view Mm -hmm. and she tripped into basically chastising herself and then Mm -hmm. she's a coach she's a nutritionist a women's nutritionist and whatnot. And she had to remind herself that actually cellulite is normal. The media has duped us into believing that cellulite isn't normal. And women get cellulite because our, um, I can't remember which, what, not our fat structures, but there's some structure that is different to um, men's. Yeah. Therefore, the fat pushes through, which causes yeah. um, cellulite. And that is normal. And I, when she was doing the Instagram stories about it, she, she was saying I hadn't, I, I'd watched a couple of them and my immediate response, I was about to say to her, has she dry, has she tried dry brushing? Because I know that that is effective. Mm. But then I had to stop myself because there's a woman saying, I was telling myself off for having cellulite, which is normal. And my instant response was to try and give her a remedy for it. And then I thought, no, it's not about having a remedy for it. If you want to do that, that is absolutely fine. But we also need to learn that it is absolutely fine to say I've got cellulite and that's it. And then I had to think about myself. So I am five foot seven and um, I wear a round about a standard UK high street size 10 Mm. so that's slim my BMI is within the range blah 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 and um somebody was wearing somebody was wearing an outfit on I think it was fashionable pan on Instagram or something and I was like I really like that and I would really love to um wear it but I feel like my belly is too squidgy so I am I'm tall I'm slim yeah when I sit down I have a few rolls and that that doesn't bother me because I know that's normal even people that are very toned in that area when you sit down that that is normal but because of what I see all the time I've decided that and it wasn't low cut it wasn't like um something that was ultra revealing but I just didn't like the idea no, let me be really honest. I just don't like the idea that my stomach is soft because I've bought into this notion that my stomach should be ripped. And my yoga teacher, she always says to me, shout out Marla, feel good yoga. She always says to me that your stomach isn't supposed to be rock hard because your stomach needs room for stuff to move around. And to expand, to accommodate your food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And still, my truth is, size 10 as I am I've been conditioned in such a way that I think to myself I'm gonna hide it yeah yeah but it's unconscious it's it's ingrained because everywhere you go everything even when you you don't even you're not even aware that you're absorbing it that's what you're seeing yeah totally and the images and it's only till you become woke that you realize a lot of these imagery are airbrushed in very you know, and even live stars are, are shutting, you know, calling people out on yeah, this and saying, yeah. do this. And then we buy into that because they're trying to sell us this ideal scenario of that when we, when our body be, looks like that, we'll be happy. And all the other stuff they try and tell us that if we achieve whatever, we're going to be happy. And that's where we need to flip that script yeah. and just, you know, be grateful for our body. I, you know, what I believe, Tamala, like, this is what I, 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 I see that because we're born with our bodies, we take them for granted. Mm-hmm. We don't realize how amazing they are. And just this that individual you mentioned about the cellulite, mm-hmm. her, her legs have supported her all their life. So instead of thinking of the negative, think of the positive, you know, and somebody 
would love to have her body, someone yes. that's disabled, yes. able, as able-bodied. Yeah. So, and that's you with your stomach. Someone would yeah. love to have what you've got, but we just take it for granted. We always we do. want we do. You know, we, we do. try to this ideal or perfect scenario that doesn't exist. Listen, I'm here nodding, and I'm not nodding fully because it still hurts a bit, but I've, I've hurt my neck. Yesterday, I couldn't nod. Uh, what's today? Wednesday. Yesterday, I couldn't nod. Monday, I could barely get out of bed. So that whole taking for granted, and there was, I don't know why, well, I do know why, because I'm doing all this personal development work and I'm really trying to be mindful, not in a really boring way where I'm policing everything I do. Um, I decided, ah, that was it. Um, I've been working on my money story because um, my money story is not the greatest um, and it prevents me from doing stuff like selling my products. Um, And I thought to myself, Um, I need to embody what I think my life would be like if I was earning what I would like to be earning. So I decided that I was going to start doing everything like I've got an abundance of money all over the place. So I thought to myself, how would I shower if I had loads of money? If I was this really wealthy, wildly successful entrepreneur, how would I shower? And it's not necessarily that I take longer in the shower, but I just naturally started as I was, you know, lathering up my body, thanking my arms for carrying stuff for me, carrying my daughter when she was a baby, carrying my nephew now, thanking my feet for taking me everywhere I want to go. My Like literally every part of my body as I washed it, I thanked it. And I'm telling you, my day would start off like my heart just felt huge yeah, because of because of the start yeah yeah, yeah. gratitude i believe is one of the it's things we do enough and then yeah. when you're more yeah. grateful more comes to you i i believe and that's what happens absolutely to us because we take for granted and then we expect more we want more so we don't selfish we, yeah. yeah yeah it's like narcissistic almost but before we uh, delve into something else, you started off in corporate. I did. What were you doing before you became a yogi? So my last job, I was working for a top five law firm as an IT manager. So I was working. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> top I five. So. I would, yeah, top five. Alan Overy, top five. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. So, so from it, IT manager. Mm-hmm which just feels like the opposite of yogi. What led you from IT manager to yogi? Because I was reading that you started practicing yoga in 2001 and you began your training in 2011. Yeah, so, so actually that date is incorrect. I worked back that I started yoga in late 1990s. Wow. Because of, yeah, because a friend of mine saw an image of Madonna in the paper with her legs behind her head, and yes. she was very much into what celebrities were into. And said, Donna, let's get some yoga mats. So, yeah, okay, Sam, let's do this. So mm-hmm. we did that. Fortunately, somebody in work that was um, came from India and was trained to be a yoga teacher, so we were her guinea pigs. So we went downstairs in the boardroom a couple of times a week and did it. And I started – I didn't love yoga at the beginning, but I thought, you know, I'd, I'd like this. I didn't mm-hmm. see the benefits or know enough about it because back in those days – Who it knew was what like, it was? Madonna did it. That was it. It, it was it was woo woo. It was out yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Strange people did yoga. It wasn't mainstream like it is now. Mm-hmm. And then I liked it enough, and I thought, you know what? I don't want to go to a class where everyone knows what they're doing. So even back then, I started to have this thing. I wanted to go to a class where we were at the same level. So I found like a six-week um, yoga course and did that. 
And I did that, but then I was starting my master's. I thought, I've got no time for yoga. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize how important it would be to mm-hmm. me at that point. Mm-hmm. And if I could go back and tell myself otherwise, maybe my path wasn't meant to be that way anyway. It was yeah. meant to be. But I'd say keep the yoga because it would have kept me from yeah. being stressed that yeah. I went through. But that was my journey, and maybe yeah. that's what led me to where I am now. Yeah. And um, so fast forwarding in and out of love with yoga, didn't do it all the time, didn't have that impact at that point. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I went to work for this top five law firm, actually, and they had um, yoga. Um, they had an in-house gym, and mm-hmm. they had I thought, oh, my God, yoga. So I went downstairs and, and did this dynamic class, and I loved it again. And it was the fact that how my I could see how my body was changing. So I loved it and kind of did it again. Still not totally um, immersed in it because I was busy. Life was getting into the way. And I was, at that point, starting my career, you know, I thought, okay, I won't just be a PA anymore. Let me add my master's. Let me get on the, the management, mm-hmm. um, do that type thing. So it wasn't until many years later a friend of mine said, Donna, you need a plan B. And I thought, what do you mean plan B? I'm going to be in the corporate. Yeah, I've got the I'm house. Good. Yeah. Job I'm good. You know, I'm living my best life. So I yeah. thought, but I wasn't happy. That was one thing I wasn't happy. And um, and then I thought, the one thing that I liked, so I was doing IT at the time and I was studying quite a bit. I thought, if I'm going to do anything, let me be certified just in case. My family aren't very fit. And I thought, when I retire and I get to their age, I don't want to be sitting in front of the TV. Yeah. And that's my life. You yeah. know, I want to be doing something. So I thought, you know what? I might want to become a yoga teacher when I retire. Mm-hmm. So I did a, a course. I think it was 18 months. You can see that it was the furthest thing from my mind to be certified because the fact that I could afford one weekend per month to do this and not want to do like a an intensive course or, you know, it shows you that it was just a, a hobby or yes. something to yes. do later on. And it wasn't until years later that we could see that, you know, redundancy was starting to happen. And my friend, you know, my friend was like, Donna, what do you think is going to happen? And then I think we went through three rounds of redundancies. And every time my job was, was safe. And the third mm-hmm. time, I think we went into this massive um, auditorium and they put up the new, the old organization chart and the new organization chart. And my job wasn't there. Whoa. Is that how they do it? That's how, yeah, that's how, yeah. They were the, the worst that's one. Cruel. One of the ones they did before was it was like X Factor. So we got this text on my on my blackbirds out with a supplier, got this message saying, you have to meet in this room, and everyone got it, at a certain time. But make sure you don't just go with your friends because the, the rooms were very distinct. There was So you went into these rooms, and then we worked out that one of the rooms was your job was safe. One of the rooms is your job may not be safe. How and inhumane. Room, and your other job, the other room was your job was gone, and we'd go through the process seriously, and then you broke out into and the How first. How is that even uh, legal? Uh, but then, but and then, but they got slicker. And after that, you just people just were missing. You didn't, you know, they didn't do the big redundancy anymore. People just going missing because they got slicker in in that respect. And then the last time when I saw the job up, and I was fine because I was doing the yoga course. I don't know if unconsciously my body knew I was going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, well, I can't apply for a job here because all the jobs that were everyone had to apply for their jobs again. But it's like if you were a project manager. Tammy, you're going to get your job again. I wouldn't right. get that job because I had no qualifications and my right. job was not there. And it wasn't until I went to do an um, NLP master course and one of the trainers said to me, what's going on with you, Donna? I said, you know what? I just don't know what to do. Um, I'm going to go back into corporate, but I'm applying for jobs I can't get. She goes, Donna, you know what you want to do. I said, no, I don't. She goes, yes, you do. She goes, unconsciously you do. And she then explained that when I talked about yoga, I lit up. Lit up, yeah. I talked about corporate, I didn't. And in that one second, 
Tamu. I was coming to the end of my training course at the end of the year, and I thought I'm going to be major redundant in September, take the rest of the year off, finished what I was doing, so I was starting to get busy. And then I was loving Bikram yoga at the time, even though in the beginning it was like, hot yoga, I don't need any heat. I can warm myself up. I can up. do it myself. I could do it myself. Mm-hmm. But I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And I think that was instrumental as well because when I went to yoga in the morning, at 6 in the morning, I felt like I died in that room. I sweated everything out. And then I'd go to where I could take anything they, they right. gave. It's I'd like already, a rebirth. A rebirth, exactly that. And um, and then basically I said, you know what I'm going to do then? I'm going to finish the course I was doing at Tri Yoga in London. But then I'll let me go to, to L.A., and do the Bikram training course. Like what I did want to do at the time was set up my own yoga at that point because I'd been burnt out because I suffered with Bell's palsy at the time as well. And that as well was key to changing my life. Mm-hmm. And then I said, okay, the following April, I'll just go to LA for nine weeks and then I can come back and Bikram yoga. And you was- stayed there for six months. I stayed for six months. And all my friends were like, are you coming back? And my friends were like, Donna, when you want that plane, you changed. And, and, I, and I saw it, didn't realize what was happening to me but things change. And it was almost like time that I could see things would happen to me. And I was taken care of like the time my purse got stolen. I had to go and get on a flight. I had no money to, to check my luggage in and went to the customer services. Now I went to the check-in desk. They said, go to customer services. They let me on. Wow. And they- Flight was delayed, time I had not a penny. I thought, am I going to eat? They gave us McDonald's vouchers. So someone like they was looking out for me. Yeah. Every day that was I was what you were supported. Out. So I want to go back a second. So are you qualified in NLP? Yes, I'm a, a master NLP practitioner. <laughs> what what don't you do? <laughs> so Bell's palsy. Mm. What is Bell's palsy for people that don't know? And what gift did Bell's palsy give you? Okay, so Bell's palsy is um, when one side of your face becomes paralyzed. So initially, if you're having a stroke, with the exception that it's not your entire body that becomes paralyzed. So one side of my face essentially was drooping. Mm -hmm. uh, And that's what I had to live with. So I had that, still got it now, but I'm still healing. Mm -hmm. I think what I did was shut down. And it took five years before I started to encounter any sort of recovery with that, basically. So I couldn't shut my, my right eye, couldn't shut and even um, in sleep even in sleep so I, in the beginning I had to wear like an eye patch because you don't want the eye to dry out yeah so that's the kind of thing you have there as well and some people even though mine was severe but I could still eat normally but some people can't eat normally wow gets um severe pain or sensations and pregnancy can bring it on stress or it can be a viral infection there's a number of things that I was going to say because I know a couple of people that um have um Bell's palsy and there's two literally I know two people they thought they were having strokes and um when they did all the checks and whatnot whatnot the only answer was that it was stress related yeah it depends as well if you go to some holistic people because some people reckon that mine was viral because and depends on what side of your your face it's on so mine's on the right side Mm -hmm. and they were saying did you have the window open before and I said I can't remember because a long time ago and then maybe the window open because apparently depending Chinese medicine the air got in there, got trapped, couldn't come out, and then the nerves just right. died. So there's, there's holistic cause, um, um, explanations as well, because even the medical profession still don't fully know right. what causes it or yeah. how to fight. So people are still trying to find a cure. Some people get it, and it's not so, so, mm-hmm. so severe cure in no time at all. Some people have it forever, but mm-hmm. there's still force recovery. It was acupuncture that helped me mm-hmm. to recover. And for me, what Bell Palsy gave, Bell's palsy gave me was to reevaluate my life. 
because I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I listened to maybe the signs I got that I was being stressed. And the bell's palsy is what stopped me in my track and made me reevaluate my life. And I, and I even said the other day to somebody that if I was to have my life over, I'd still have the bell's palsy because it's been so key in, in making wow. me do what I love it. And I, I would not, I don't think I'd be doing yoga. It was the furthest thing. If you said to me, I'm going to become a yoga, I'd have laughed you. Yeah, yeah, out. yeah. You befriended see. bell's palsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How magical is that? And because of Bell's palsy, because I, I've, I've learned that beauty is on the inside, mm-hmm. not on the inside. Mm-hmm. Because I was an individual that um, very much in the camera, very confident. And then with Bell's palsy, people will tell you that my hands over my mouth, okay. you know, smile, I wouldn't be in front of the camera. Yeah. And through that, it showed me who my true friends were. And it made me a stronger person because I was out there. I didn't hide it. I hid away for the first four weeks, but went back to work, went to places where I knew people would accept me mm-hmm. and, and, and understood that some people weren't comfortable the way I look. And I think, you know, that's why I've become more into body positivity as well because of that, because I realised that there's more to life than looks. Well, you've segued nicely because I just started writing. Um, I just started writing comfortable um, because that's I was going to get because I've got a a couple of bits written down about um, about um, your role in body positivity and inclusion. So um, what and I'm, I'm interested in speaking to you about this because I've had a number of conversations with people. So people in general who will say things like I'm not flexible enough for yoga and I'm like well that's the point you go there to get flexible and then I've also had conversations with black women who have tried yoga but have Mm. felt not accepted or not represented Mm. and then um, my friend Marsha who um, has the wellness studio in Battersea even grace part of the have you worked there yeah, I used to work there in the beginning. I was okay, one of the- okay. So yeah. she said one of the reasons behind her starting is that she had too many experiences with black women saying they were in yoga classes and perhaps they were more curvy or they had like a, a really big bum or something. And the yoga teacher didn't know how to modify poses that yeah. would allow them to access them. And they thought, well, why am I spending my money where you can't even look after me? Um, so what led you to, cause you're not, you're not just into body positivity. Mm. You're into um, like, um, what's it called now? Uh, like body social justice kind of work. Yeah. Um, well, the reason why I, I, I curse on yoga came about because I think when I was in corporate, I did yoga. I, I just, I was so busy, didn't appreciate life. I'd go on my mat, do my yoga and leave. Yeah. And I wasn't even aware who was in the room with me. I don't think I even acknowledged who was in the room. I just in clothes, yeah. went to work and that was it. And um, went to America and I think I was fine. Did my teacher training and saw, I don't think even then it was to a big deal to me, you know, that there weren't that many black people there. And I, and I didn't do yoga to be, you know, I, I just love the yoga. I think yeah. something just called me to. So it wasn't like even at that point to represent. It was just something that was for me and it was helping me in my, in my healing. Yeah. And um, came back to London, was teaching all over the place. Um, and I think I was just so used, um, time of used to being the only black person in a lot of environments. I had that conversation with a friend lately that I just didn't even realise that. Mm-hmm. Um and it was when I was reading an article about um, a curvy journalist and that she was curvy and she was the largest person in the room. 
and she was either stared at by fellow yogis and ignored by the teacher. And then something just resonated then because yoga is about union, not only with exactly. yourself, but with others. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I could, I, we tried, I tried to arrange to interview her for my podcast at the time, but couldn't get hold of her. And she mentioned Diane Bond, who's a body positive um, yogi from Canada. And then I researched what she was doing and I thought, you know what, I like what she's doing. You know, she's out there and I, I saw, is it Dana Falsetti, um, Jessamine Stanley, the, all these plus size yogis that were curvy women, they could do stuff that I couldn't do. Yeah. So certainly what I deemed to be a yoga body, or maybe I didn't have a perception of a yoga body at the time, was changing by seeing what they could do. And the more that I did this, I could see that where are the, 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 the women of color? Mm-hmm. Where are the, the, where are the curvy women? You mm-hmm. know, where, where are the men? Mm-hmm. Yoga was designed by men for men. And oh, was now, it? Yeah, yoga was designed by men for men. That's why a lot of postures we do, we sometimes, women, we find them hard, like, you know, chaturanga. Men's yeah. got, the, got the strength to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They say hips apart. Men have slim hips and we've got wider hips. So that's where, you know, there's no correlation. And a lot, not, not a lot of people realise they delve a bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Men were the ones that devised yoga. And it was a very elitist thing at the time because you had to, you know, only certain classes could to do the yoga. And it took a while, I can't remember, for women to even be um, able to do yoga. Wow. So we granted and if you look at the imagery you believe that it's been dominated by women which it now is type mm-hmm. thing and then based on that I kept talking about that article I kept talking about this and my friends were like well shut up or do something about it because I, I didn't realize how deeply I'd been affected by this um injustice that I could see and so basically um I spoke to my mentor at the time and said what can I do she said, well find a name like log a name so everything I liked I thought I like I did I like the word wholesome mm-hmm wholesome yoga don't you know it sounds like some sort of bread or mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. I don't know what it means and every and I thought I like the word curvy because curvy has got so many different connotations not only in size but body shape it can encompass everything mm-hmm. and then I then had this idea so why, why you put curve with some and then curve some yoga came about that and I still wasn't even convinced that what I was doing or this niche that I was finding inadvertently was gonna was like a bigger niche was a bigger market than what everyone's working towards yeah and um it took me what so basically everyone kept saying are you are you at the om show and i said no i'm going to the om show so it's like go to the om show and for a little while no one knew that curse on yoga was me i had a facebook page but no one knew it was me why because i just didn't want to be visible like with any transition i'm used yeah. to just being you know, walking around and no yeah, one yeah, knows yeah, yeah. put myself out there um online and my coach was like, Donna, you know, you can't just put words out there anymore. People want to see you, see your energy. Yeah. Then I think people began to notice me. And I got a little bit of a backlash initially because then one's like, you're not curvy. So how can you do curse on yoga? And it's like, and, and they, these were friends. It's like, isn't it better that someone's doing it than nobody's doing this? And it's like, are you trying to say that in order to teach yoga, you know, I have to be, I can only teach to black women then or something. Are like you trying to limit who I could teach to? And it was somebody I spoke to and said, well, you don't have to be gay to advocate gay rights mm-hmm. point here and then I just went on and and, and did, it. did it that was about two three years ago so before even the body positive movement really came here mm-hmm. sort of doing that so and when did you establish curve some yoga yeah curve some yoga I think in early 2015 so okay. 2014 I think was the end the beginning of 2015 was yeah. when it was starting to come about type yeah. thing and what um, I think cemented that curse on yoga was needed was when I eventually 
decided to go to the OMS show because I've been told for years to go to the OMS show and I wouldn't go. And I um, actually rang up and found out the cost of it for a stand. It was like, oh, my God, it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. So what I decided to do, I said, OK, I've got no budget for this. I'll have to do it next year. But it's like I had an epiphany one day. I was driving home and it came to me. Why don't you crowdfund it? So I then messaged a friend who, who became a friend online and emailed her and said, look, do you think I can do this? She goes, what's crowdfunding? Because they call it something different in America. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. And she said, you inspire me. And if she hadn't said those words, I would have just had this idea and just and kept, it. Mm-hmm. kept it. So I went home, created the page. And at the time I was speaking to Lisa Riley, the actress, mm-hmm. been an ambassador for me. I wanted a curvy, curvy individuals to represent Curse on Yoga because I thought I wasn't the best representation of mm-hmm. it. And she was, and I'd met her and we'd been out and I mentioned what I was doing to her. She gave me £300 in my um, the crowdfund that wow. Sunday. And so I kind of knew it was going to happen. But I didn't actually because I still doubted it in my friends. like, Donna, how's the universe going to give you what you want? When if you're, you're doubting, doubting, yeah. And I thought, I've got £300 now. I've still got six weeks to go. I'm going to get this. And I did. I got the money. Fantastic. My and I went... And when I went, the reaction I got from so many women, I was the only person there doing anything for women over a size 12. Wow. I got so hugs, so many, oh my God, I'm going to follow you. And then I knew <clears throat> that what I was doing, there was a need for it. And that's how Curse Amiga um, came about. And in terms of me and um, representing more, a key point, because even then I still was hiding and, and, um, and I was going to be interviewed by a magazine called Yoga Matters. So it was about two years ago, and it was one of these summers where there was no summer. And then, um, so I was teaching, it was for International Yoga Day, it was going to be five o'clock outside of Ali, Ali Pali. Mm-hmm. I thought, I don't like rain, I don't like outdoors, I've changed since then, and I'm going to get caught up in this rain. And so I went and got in, was being interviewed, and then I said, everyone's going to go home, there's no one going to be here for me at the end of the class. There was two, I think, classes being run. And, and one and behold, I was just astounded, the amount of black individuals that came out and at the end of the class they came up we saw you were here we came out to represent you and they said donna you need to be more visible because there aren't many of us out there mm-hmm. so you need to be seen and then from there i had to be seen and, and a few months later the woman that um interviewed me she goes Donna, you don't mention being about you don't mention about being a black yoga teacher i said i'm just donna and mm-hmm. part of my skin is 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 there mm-hmm. everyone can see why they come to me they don't come to me but mm-hmm. i don't make a big thing of it mm-hmm. type and she said do you witness how many black people came to your class so even she saw that so we we made the correlation because mm-hmm. of me then being visible mm-hmm. people were out there they're doing the yoga so they just need to find that person as they said then they you, you representation matters and that's when I saw representation was key. And that's why then I've been more vocal. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm still not, I think this year I'm trying to find my voice a little bit more because there's things I want to say. Mm-hmm. But I'm just afraid that not everyone's going to like what I've got to say, but not everyone likes me right now. And as I said, exactly. I can't be ice cream. Not everyone likes ice cream anyway. Exactly. So, and you know I- what else? I, I totally, oh gosh, a couple of things. So one, I totally get that um when you are when you are when you're a black person when you're a person of color mm. when you're a black person especially now when we are more aware more sensitive to and people are awakening mm. to issues of race 
not just the big or UN word, but the nuanced Mm. things, the systematic things, and also the little things that occur every day, even things that are perpetuated by people that think they're liberal, people Mm -hmm. that think they're colourblind and all this other nonsense. And Mm. I say nonsense because I I really hate the term when people say, oh, I'm colourblind. Yeah, you being colorblind is problematic for me because it makes me feel that you think that there's a problem with dif- with difference. See my yeah. color and still rate me the same way. Yeah. But um, the the thing that I find is, if <clears throat> as a black person, when you talk about issues to do with racial justice, somehow people then have an expectation that that is your job, and people aren't aware of how draining and the emotional impact that has. When um so prior to doing uh 360, I had a blog with my friend Leah or a, a, a digital space, Motherhood Reconstructed, which was about Black British motherhood, and our aim was to be celebrating and sharing authentic narratives of Black British motherhood because what we were seeing wasn't representative. But what became really disheartening for me is that the majority of the traction we got is if we were challenging something that was going on or calling out something. When we were sharing stories of black joy about wonderful things that were happening, businesses black women had, etc., the response wasn't as great. And I got to a point where I thought, you know what, fuck this, I'm not doing it anymore because it's like you only... I'm only valid when I'm talking about my pain. And whilst the black story across the world is full of pain, there's also joy, there's also happiness, we're also thriving to for to have endured what our ancestors endured and us still be here. We're very strong. I, I, I get really frustrated that it's like I can only be called upon if it's to talk about a matter of diversity. Mm. Um, so when I started 360, somebody said to me, um, a black lady, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm really pleased to see what you're doing. Um, I think it's really important for us to have these spaces for black women. And I was like, I'm a black woman and mm. I am providing this service. But my thing is generation X women, because I think nobody's talking to us. Companies don't know how to talk to us. And it goes without for me it goes without saying if there is an issue to do with my identity if there is an issue to do with injustice that I feel called to speak about I'm going to speak about it I'm not going to water down my talk if you don't like it you shouldn't be here but I I think we need to move away from this notion that we have to take up that responsibility because activism can be calling out injustice or it can be taking up space and opening up the door for other people I really love when somebody DMs me and says, I've been thinking about doing this whatever. And now that I'm seeing what you're doing, I know that I can do it too. That for me is is far more impactful than me emotionally harming myself by reading all the Twitter threads, all the news about all these negative things that are happening. I know they are. I live it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really, um, so, uh, Going back to um, setting up Curves from Yoga and exposing yourself to the challenges um, that curvy women, curvy people experience in exercising and yoga, etc. What new belief, behaviour or habit has improved your life from your experience of Curves from Yoga? Um, Not to judge people 
on based on their looks. Mm. Um, most importantly, because someone's curvy doesn't mean they're unhealthy. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't tell someone's health by their size. So conversely, just because someone's slim doesn't mean they're healthy. And um, and just appreciating what some people go go through more. Like I can the things I can take for granted. You know, I, the privileges I have. That the fact that if I want to stand on 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 the street and eat a great big burger, no one's going to bat an eyelid. But mm. someone curvy or overweight. They can't have that, yeah. uh, that, 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 that luxury of doing that. And these are just small things because people will judge them. And they can be the most healthy person going, which individuals are. And also to find out that because someone's curvy doesn't mean they're unhealthy. And there's something called health at every size where anyone can be healthy at any size. doesn't mean they're not. And a lot of these so-called things that people say out there, about, you know, um, the diet culture thing that if you're over a certain size, you're more predisposed to certain illnesses. That's not true in, in that respect as well. So that and a lot of the, the information this is what we live by, this is what you live by. But a lot of the data, that's why it's always good to look at the source. A lot of this come from diet companies. So what are they? What is of their course, interest? In? That's their what bottom their, line. That's their money. What, what is their motivation? You know, and people that challenge that, you know, they get very much dismissed. There's a woman I follow called Linda Baker. She's an American woman and she's very neutral, but she's been doing this. I've read her book and I've interviewed her, but help at every size, you know, and it's been shown by certain people that, you know, Dana Felsetti, you know, they can do yoga postures that I can't do. There's, there's women, there's, I think she's called the Mernonator, runs all these marathons in America. You know, challenging this, the imagery is there online, yeah. and the people that I follow on social media, and these are the ones that have been able to change my narrative of what I see. Yeah. I have women that come to my classes now, and they can do it a deeper back than me, and they don't even realise they come to my classes or all of us, as you said. Oh, I'm, I'm. If I, could, if I someone said, if I, I could be rich right now, from everyone that says, oh, I'm, I'm too stiff, I'm not mm-hmm. flexible. Mm-hmm. If looking at this image of someone in Bali. They're left behind their head, fine. Mm, they, the sunset. Know, and, sunset and this mm-hmm, beautiful mm-hmm. thing. And they look at the camera. Because someone said, why? And someone, it's funny, the other day in class, someone said, this posture, I'm meant to be looking that way or looking forward. And we said, we're looking forward. But why everyone on Instagram I see, they're looking Because they're posing. Exactly that. So that was a wow. yoga. And I didn't think of that because they're posing. So, so they distorted the imagery there. But um, so that's what yoga, Kirsten Yoga has given me. And, and a lot of these, indi- and I, I, and because of the yoga and Kirsten Yoga, I wouldn't be talking to people like yourself if I didn't, wasn't doing what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. And there's people that are positive that changed my mindset and made me come home to myself like the yoga mm-hmm. and help me along the journey. In the beginning, people were helping me, time and I thought, why are you helping me for? I was so I'm good. Because it's like, you want something yeah. back. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yes. I want something back. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no, they're doing this without any need or desire because what they're doing is they're sending the ladder back down. Yes. What they believe if they give, they will receive in abundance yeah. in other Elsewhere. And because and it's they, not a prerequisite. It's not a prerequisite. And they can see that there's abundance out there for mm-hmm. everybody. It's like, you know, if I can help you, Tamil, I will because I can't teach every single person in London yeah. or or in Shretton. Yeah. So why can't I help you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not helping because if I help you, you're going to be up there. Yeah. That may not be my path. That crabs in a barrel syndrome just needs to be, you know, left yeah. alone. Yeah, definitely. And that's what 
this journey has given me to see that. And the more I just, you know, I just take a step back and go with the flow. Sometimes I can be too horizontal, but life happens through me regardless. And there's opportunities that I would not, if I planned my life and mapped it out the way I thought, I wouldn't be where I am now and there'll be things I wouldn't be doing. I wouldn't be writing because I would say I'm not a writer. Yeah. I'd be limited yeah. by what I thought I could do. Yeah. But, I, but you're writing. It's like, there's your, there's, you know, you, what you've written in a magazine. So Exactly. You, you're you, a writer. Claim it. But, but because then, you know, that you're, you're of a certain size or you can't do this or you're a certain age, you can't do this. My body can do so much more than it could do 20 years ago. Yeah. Things I do on my yoga wheel or my mat that people, oh my God, you're crazy. It's not because I have that confidence in my body. I've come home to, to me my body can do. And my body can do so much more. It's not the body stiff, it's, it's the, the mind. mind. Just mind. yesterday, and th- th- this whole coming home to yourself concept is really important to me because I feel like I have come home to myself and it's really made a difference in how I view the world, how I view myself and how I view other people's perceptions and this brain stiffness. So yesterday somebody was talking and this lady that I know, Faye, she was talking on Instagram. She'd had an injury and she was still carrying herself like she had the the injury and her chiropractor was saying this is your mind telling you this because you've actually healed and I just commented back saying yeah this is really interesting um because I I'm I'm stiff I'm naturally I I don't I don't think I'm making a mistake on my maternal and paternal side it's riddled with arthritis um my mum first started having signs of arthritis in her late 30s it's all over the place so I took that information for myself rather than saying I'm stiff because my family's stiff full stop I just thought I'm stiff so I need to do something about it so that it doesn't continue and I'm as stiff as you know my parents are at their age Mm -hmm. and I said to her what I found is that um, sometimes I would think that's the furthest I could go, but I would take a deep breath and exhale into it. And there was always a little bit more um, that I could give. And it literally was even I joined um, a, a boot camp again because I just don't get myself to the gym. And I thought by any means necessary, I have to do it. So I was doing whatever I was doing. And um, Greg, the guy who runs the boot camp, um, I was like, oh, um, I was complaining he said be quiet and do what you're doing because your body's doing it anyway and so that was my mantra for the class be quiet my body's doing it anyway and even if I couldn't complete all the sets I did way more than I thought because I switched off my mind and I felt into it yeah but the the, the mind is a very powerful tool I do this thing mm. also called it's part of my coach is called my um it's the three principles and it's a it's mind thought and consciousness and the mind's like this the mind's like the sky time it's always there in the background yeah and it's like the sun's always there but the clouds come and the clouds distort it yeah so that's your your thoughts are like the clouds yeah so many millions of thoughts per day but why do we always focus on the negative ones the happy ones come and they go but we don't focus on that but then, and then your the, the consciousness is your reality. Like, you know, you've got Star Wars and all the special effects. It's your thoughts that create that. Yep. If you realise, Tammy, that your thoughts are temporary, you can change your thoughts just like that, you can change your reality just like that. Exactly. But then you need to realise that. But we then, we make it so it's so real all the time. And that's when we get caught up in it. And that's when we get caught up in the drama. Yeah. And we, we all have that ability. Look at a child. A child or two will have tantrums, terrible twos. Two minutes later, what's that child doing? Plying? They're fine. Well. Yeah. But us, we have the tantrum, but we've got in this 
you know, rabbit hole. And he's like, oh, my God, Tamara looked at me with her eye. You know, <laughs> she, give me, she give me side eye. What does and, that mean? Yeah, and does that mean? And that's and I create that story. Yeah. But that's not your story. Yeah. We create our own reality. Yes. And you but know they, what else with the, to- the toddler? Yeah. Toddlers have their tantrum and they get it out. When we have our tantrum, we often repress it. Yeah, exactly. I want to read this quote. Uh, Quite a few people. This is the week that Brene Brown's Netflix special came out. And um, she she talks about a quote from Theodore Roosevelt that really informed um, her research. And I can't remember which book it was, Daring Greatly or whatever. And it said, um, oh gosh, actually, this is the wrong quote. The quote that I was going to read was something about the stories we tell ourselves. But we are where we are, so I'm just going to read this anyway. And it says, it says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong, how strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, cause who at the best knows in the end... Sorry who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. And um, I think that that literally is a case of don't pay attention to those who are not daring greatly. But back to what you were saying about the story we tell ourselves, that's it. She was talking about an incident she had with her husband where she thought that he was ignoring her. And so the story she was telling herself was that he was ignoring her. He wasn't into her anymore. She doesn't look as great in a swimming costume as she used to. That was the story she was telling herself. So she was vulnerable enough to tell him, this is the story I'm telling myself. And he was like, I was trying not to have a panic attack. I couldn't hear what you were saying because I was busy trying not to have a panic attack. So when we're not mindful of the stories we're telling ourselves, we can tell ourselves absolutely anything. The, 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 the crappy stories I've told myself about myself, there have been so many times that I've told myself a really horrible damaging story about myself that I would never dream of saying to somebody else and during that time or straight after I'll distract myself with social media and there have been a good number of times that when I've gone on to Facebook or whatever I've had a message somebody asking me to mentor them Mm -hmm. meanwhile I was just berating myself and telling myself I was a prick Mm -hmm. there you go and that's what you need to realise. You know, we we have this inner voice, our inner critic, and, you know, we need to dial it down because yeah. there's enough people out there that want to beat us up anyway. So who's going to support you if you're not supporting yourself? And that's what we need to remember. Absolutely. In, in that. Absolutely. And, you know, and a lot of the times we create that drama, we create that scenario, and it's not necessary. I've had my fair share of being addicted to chaos. And once I realised what I was doing, I had to make, create tools for myself. So... Thinking about that inner critic and the fact that you have an um, NLP background, what are the ways or what are the tools you've used to dial down your inner critic so that you can tune into your higher self more? Basically, just just if, being aware of my thoughts more because we're so 
in the future, past, you know, if you stay in the moment more, and the tools that I use, the yoga, number one, because the yoga is about mind-body connection. It's not just about the postures, which is what you see a lot out yeah. there. They lose the mind-body connection. And by doing that, I can hear that voice, and I can switch it off if yeah. I need to. Yeah. I can say, you're being silly now, or just stop it or park it to one, or just change my mindset, like yeah. I said. And also meditation is another one as well. Just being there and just tuning into what's going on. And because of those tools, I'm able to tune into my instinct more. So I don't come from the brain so much. I come from my gut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you know you're around somebody and you, you get a bad vibe, you know, listen to your gut. Your gut don't ever let you down. But mm-hmm. you might your mind says, oh, just dismiss that. And then later on, you say, I wish I listened to my gut instead because it was trying to tell you your body will never let you down. Your body is an amazing tool. It gives you sensations. It gives you signals. But what we tend to do, we dismiss them. Like, you know, sometimes you're, like, you're getting nervous. So you're, you think, oh, I've got IBS. No, no, no. It's no. something that's yeah. going on to get to know. Like, an example for me was um, I used to get a dry, tickly cough all the time. And um, I just thought, oh, yeah, I'm getting a cold, but I've been so strong. I fought it off. And it wasn't until I was interviewing somebody else that was, more along the journey than I was. I said, no, that's your stress. I said, what do you mean? She goes, when you're stressed, that's your stress. I said, yeah. oh, it's not stress. And then a few months later, I went to Nottingham to, to, to from, for a meeting. And then I was with a friend and we had to run from um, where we were to get the, because we couldn't get a taxi to get the train. And I said, we don't have to run anymore. They goes, yeah, we do. So we had to run. But 15 minutes after I stopped running, the cough appeared. Wow. And out of water, so my body had gone into stress. stress. Only when the body calmed down, the cough stopped like that. Wow. There's nothing, and that proved the point. So there's always signs we have, but we dismiss it on coming down with something. Because we want to look for the logic when sometimes logic doesn't apply. It doesn't apply. So are we or we do something. It's like okay, like another example was oh my back. I mentioned before we started into my back was hurting me, and I said oh I did this really deep back bend, and I blamed the teacher. I was in yeah. class blaming the teacher. You know yeah. I. Listen to your teacher, don't listen, don't listen to me. If I need to go too far, yeah. just and then it took me playing back because it, it wasn't quite logical. Because, like, but it didn't hurt straight away, and it didn't hurt for days later. Mm-hmm. It was my bag, my rucksack was too yes. heavy, yeah. And then, then I eliminated that, my back was fine again. Yeah. Again, so I blame the yoga, I blame something else, but we never look at what we're doing. Sometimes we're to blame, but it's too Hello. easy. Hello. Um, away from ourselves to somebody else and that's what we do a lot of and we don't not. and we don't take, take responsibility and it's so easy to do that and then yeah. people like in their life oh i'm not where i need to be because of that because of that. it's not because of that you need look to just inward look, and that in. is why coming home to yourself is really important i want to um, ask you something because um yoga what yoga taught me was the power or what yoga is te- continuing to teach me mm-hmm. is the power of slowing down yeah. and the strength in gentleness. Mm-hmm. So um, what you were saying about your intuition, I think mm-hmm. sometimes we need to be really careful because if you are not attuned to listening to your body, your mind, and if mm-hmm. you are not attuned to paying attention to your own energy field, yeah. you can mistake ego for intuition. Indeed. And I, there have been, so it's it's been like an oscillation. So there was a period of time where my intuition was key. Then I realised that about 25% 
and I wasn't always listening to it, even though I'm saying that the intuition was key. Then as I really started to pay attention to myself Mm. and really retreat within myself, and I don't mean retreat like a hermit to hide, but really start to learn the person that is within, the person that I was hiding from, the person whose life I was sitting on the edge of, I realised that a good 25-30% of the intuition was actually my ego. Mm. And the reason I learned that is because in slowing down, I was able to feel a range of feelings that I had numbed because I was moving too fast. So in that sort of intuitive piece, I know... Or I can, I, because also the ego, as you ascend, the ego ascends as well. So I know at the moment that my intuition feels peaceful, mm-hmm. whereas my ego speaking feels chaotic. I feel like, so although on the surface I'm looking calm, I'm like a duck treading water. Mm. Um, what was your tell? What was, what has helped you to identify when it's your intuition talking when it's my intuition talking it's like I can give an example where if I'm teaching a class and I just go with the flight I teach the room I don't always have a plan because I teach the bodies I see in the room Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm just in there I'm grounded to the earth and I'm connected to above as well Mm -hmm. and I'm now really really connected I come up with some stuff and go oh my god where'd that come from yes yes and, and like, you cannot repeat it again because it's like a download from above. Yeah, you you really connect to the moment and you get it. And because and yes. when I teach, I teach the way I want to be taught. Yeah. And I hope that when I'm saying something or doing something, it will connect. Somebody in that class will get something from it. Yeah. So everybody will get something from it. And yeah. that's when I'm connected. And the way for me, which I know more, because I believe we're connected to something bigger than us. Absolutely. We're like and puppets on a string. Exactly, yeah. but we're and then when and if you believe that we're more powerful than we actually are, we're, we're afraid of that power sometimes. That's what we. Marianne we Willis, Williamson, our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. And then once you start to embrace that, and for me, this is another thing about going back to the inner voice. So basically, I think I lost my train of thought here. So basically, with the inner voice, so this is the way I describe it. So mm-hmm. my mind sometimes is like there's a lot of white noise. I think yeah, in our in our brain, there's like. A, a drum, mm-hmm. a, a band going mm-hmm. on. So the band's there. But in the background is a little violin or a little piccolo in the background. Mm-hmm. And once you allow that drum or whatever to 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 to, to dull down, mm-hmm. you're here. Mm-hmm. And that's you make you, you make your best decisions, the mm-hmm. most profound things or feelings come up that you would haven't before. Yeah. And the more you use tools like meditation or yoga, that voice will become stronger. Yeah. And you become more clear, yeah. more in tune, come yeah. home just because you come from that place. Yes. More. And that's the journey that we, we try. And that's what yoga was about. Yoga mm-hmm. is trying to get you to a place of, it's called samadhi, where you connect with your highest state. Yeah. And these things that we're doing, Fall the yoga the is, is, you know, is helping us get there. So the yoga, we need the yoga to make yes. the body happy yeah. so that we don't have to worry about the body aching. Yes. And, and, you know, there's the yamas and the niyamas, which is like, um, some rules in yoga that we adhere to, but not everyone does that. We don't always get that in an ordinary yoga class. It's more about the philosophy in yoga. Yes, yes. If you go to a class where they talk about that, you'll get that aspect as well. Yeah. But if you go to a class where it's like Bikram, depends on the teacher, because some teachers 
do delve into that but some would just say the dialogue and that's all you're getting yeah, in then yeah just yeah that you'll get it and that's why Bikram's okay it's a starting point to yoga but it's only the starting point and then as you said before you know slowing down is more powerful sometimes than pushing through we're taught from the outside well keep pushing through but if we slow down and take a break it's like you have a problem and you, you're there you, oh you can't find your keys you can't find the keys oh my god where's the key you and i was gone by you don't find the keys so what i would then do is stop that, mm-hmm. go and do something like, you know, wash the dishes mm-hmm. or watch TV. I'll come back, I'll find the key straight away. Straight away, yeah. yeah. You've broken that 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 train of thought or yeah. that focus, yeah. rested the brain, yeah. and then gone back to it. Same Absolutely. sort of thing. It's like, yeah. you've through, it's like, you know, people, you know, they have a problem on the computer, can't find the solution, they go away, come they back. come back, the solution straight there. Yeah. And that's, and that's why, even in yoga class, when you see someone pushing through, like they're trying to do tree pose and they're wobbling, they're shaking. I say, guys, build your foundation first, then start going into their it. And they're shaking, they're wobbling. Just get your foundation first of all. And go to the side, be humble. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you, and, and a lot of them, the light's on, but there's no one in. They're ahead of you. And I, I say to them, because they're busy. You're in tomorrow's class. And, they like, and then that brings them back. So a little thing, you bring them back. And then when they start to move, was one, that group energy. They work better together because yoga is about union, but they mm-hmm. don't get that mm-hmm. enough in some class they mm-hmm. go to. But when I teach yoga, I try to instill that. So I try to give skills that you have on your mat that you can take into your everyday life. So about the thought, about the breath, even just breathing, you know, slowing the breath down because a lot of us shallow breathing. So we don't use our, our, our full lung capacity. Yep. Yeah, but yep. the yoga is leading you to that. And a lot yep. of like mental issues that we have, a lot of the techniques they use in yoga, they bring into that um, arena as well. And that's why um, now um, I did a talk at a conference, yoga in healthcare. They're going to start now prescribing yoga on the NHS because the NHS is at a level where there's a lot of lifestyle issues and it's not sustainable because people are going for any little things. But yoga can help prevent some of these. Yeah, yeah. They begin to see that yeah. nice the East was always there. That's why yoga's been around for thousands of years because mm-hmm. it's been around for many more to mm-hmm. come. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But the West now is catching up and they're getting evidence now to see that yoga can help. There's so many benefits and yoga can transform lives like it transformed my life, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And can, it continues to do so. <laughs> I could go on and on and on and on and on forever, but um, we'll just have to have a part two at some time. <laughs> so... As, as I draw our conversation to a close, um, could you share what, um, like, books, resources do you use or have you used to assist you with your evolution? Um, God, um, there's, oh, God, I, I wish I'd, um, I may have to send them to you, but there's, um, if you Google free principles about the mind, thought, and confidence, um, yes. I think it's called The Inside Out Revolution by Michael Neal. Mm. and some people might find it a little bit woo-woo and it's, it might be difficult to understand but every time you read it you get something more for it but it's showing you to, how you can live your life from an inside-out perspective Yes, and it's, that life doesn't have to be as difficult because our life is already mapped out for us and some of these obstacles we have is you know they're there to help us come back onto our path they're not yeah. you know, there for rejection or what yeah. have you and that book's been quite key um, I, I'd have to send them to the NLPs. I did. I don't do much NLP now, but I kind of it, it got me to where I am now. But I can send you a link to the books that I've. Yes, I've please. Used. 
but also um, who's it? Gabby Bernstein. Yeah. Um, oh God, the universe got your back. Yeah. Another book, and there's a few others. I'm they're coming out now, but I, I can send them to you. Yes, please. That that would yeah. be really fantastic. Yeah. And just and just and, and just people that I admire on social media. You know, follow people that inspire you, not that you come away feeling really negative. Exactly. Just them basically. Exactly. Do you know what I do want to ask before we go on? Actually, sorry, and um, before we close, the yoga lifestyle. Um, it's very connected. Um, it's, you know, holistic mind, body, spirit. How does that... So you're, you're an entrepreneur. One of the things that we use as entrepreneur to communicate our message to our audience and to sell our products, because it's a business at the end of the day, is social media, which requires you to be present and engaging. Mm. How do you create boundaries around your social media? Because for some people, it can become a really big distraction, um, I try not to. I'm on, I, I, I struggle with that sometimes because you, you know you can be on you go on there for one thing and you can be there, mm-hmm. on there for hours. Mm-hmm. But I just try to to minimize the hours that I'm on there. Yeah. And I, it's it's a tool that I have to use, as you say, to market myself. Mm-hmm. But just purely for doing that, I yeah. just try and do that. So just yeah. have limits and boundaries. I don't always, you know, people come to me and sort of on DMs. I don't always respond. And people asking me for things. If I don't know you, I'm not always going to respond yeah. in that respect as well. Yeah. Because people want maybe sometimes free information. And if I don't even know you, how can I, you know... Equally, give- this is a service I charge for. Show me yeah. some respect, please. Exactly. Or can we go for coffee? And then when you say, well, read this, they don't come back to you. So you knew then they just want to get what they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't do go, unless I know it's like a mutual exchange thing. Yeah. I'm not going for coffee. I've got coffee at home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and I did that in the beginning, but as you go along, you begin to see. Yeah. And it's that boundary because you can be on there giving all the time and nothing with time. You can't, and somebody said, you know, you can't. Yeah, you can't pour from an empty cup. And exactly. one, one, one thing she said to me as well is, when someone gives you something, take it. Like, if someone gives you a compliment, don't be, oh, that, oh, this old gosh, thing. I struggle. Yeah. 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 Because that person may not give that compliment again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're giving you their energy. Yes. Like Actually, that. yeah, you're being disrespectful if you don't accept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, and with that whole... Um, empty cup thing and um, my friend Anya uh who's on uh Instagram as mother's wellness toolkit she says um that she says something along the lines of no longer giving from your cup let your cup runneth over and you give that's from your saucer so whatever's leaked out onto your or whatever's overflowing into your saucer give that what's in your cup you need that yeah, and and then like you know, even like my friend, you know, same thing. Should like if you're on the tube and someone gives you a seat, and you might not feel that you want it, but maybe your your energy saying you want that seat, take it. Yeah, yeah. You know, someone's give, looking at you and can see maybe there's a need there. Don't you know we so, you know? Oh no, it's, it's fine. We're strong or whatever. But exactly. Need- I'm an independent woman. I don't need your seat. Yeah, exactly. But take it, you know, and compliments. Take it as well yeah. because someone's taking the time, giving their energy to you, and you're like you just need to honor it. And you may not get it again because yeah. they're going to, oh, she just yeah, dismissed yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah, I'm not totally. totally. And just, I just have good boundaries. Like, I, you know, I come home, I can switch off and stuff like that. And I and, and I protect myself with stones yeah. as well, energy type yeah. thing. Because especially Hello. like young, a lot of a lot of energy is given. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, like, even like I would, cause people will say to me, like, because I teach hot yoga. And it's, oh, I want to punch in class. Do you want to open the door? It's like, you know what? You're saying that in jest, but... You see this, and it goes. But I felt awful. So this rock bounced by that energy on you. So be yeah. careful. 
Exactly, exactly. Words are very powerful. Very powerful. So uh, do you have anything coming up that we need to know about? I saw you've got a retreat in Turkey in July. I have indeed. I've got a couple of things. Um, Sunday in particular, I've got a yoga wheel workshop. It's a two-hour workshop, so we'll be doing yoga, mainly floor-based, but using the yoga wheel, and it'll help you to open your spine more, Mm -hmm. open your hips more, and that's on Sunday. But as you rightly said, um, on the 9th to the 16th, I think, of July, a week-long self-love retreat in Bodrum. I was there last year as a guest. I'm going back and hosting it this time. So there'll be a week of yoga. There'll be aqua yoga. There'll be yoga twice a day. There'll be workshops. Again, showing you a lot of these things we talked about. Mm-hmm. I'll be sharing them with you as well. And then mm-hmm. one exercise we're doing is like, you know, the negative self-thought. Put down everything you say to yourself on a post-it note. And then in the pair, you'll put that post-it note on somebody else. And as you rightly said, you wouldn't say that to someone, so why are you saying it to yourself? It's making you aware of what you're saying in that. Mm. So there'll be those kind of things for dinner, and it'll be fine. It's going to be a good time. There's um, there's glamping there. There's rooms there, vegetarian food. Uh, the details are on the website Sounds or on, on social media. And what about, uh, you, do cl- you do workshops as well. Do you have any workshops coming up? The yoga wheel one, and I'm going to actually do an absolute beginner's workshop, but I also do on a regular basis. Like if you want to start yoga, I do like an eight-week course. So it's an absolute beginner's course. So you don't have to – you can just come as you are and we'll go through everything. And a lot of the classes sometimes we just stay there and we just talk. And, and you know, and we just really connect. And mm-hmm. it's a really nice community there. The women that come, they had – most of my clients, actually, the body positive ones, had no experience of yoga. And their progress – is so wonderful to witness not only just on the yoga mat but in their everyday life they've become more empowered it really does become part of your life it's a lifestyle and it's yeah. and it's so good to see that because i you know even at christmas i was teaching in balam at one of the yoga studios and you know normally it's quiet but this year people can't do without it because now like with me if i don't need do yoga, it need it but then my body tells me i need it i feel really angsty i'm really yeah. all over the place my yeah. body lets me know that i need my it. neck injury it was literally like I keep saying it's because um, I was sleeping in the bed with my um, nephew when we went on holiday. And I literally there was a couple of times I had to like have him on my arm to sleep. But what I realized is that definitely was a factor. But I wasn't doing so in the morning. I'll do like not many, but I'll do some sun salutations and I do my my um, exercise three times a week. And I go to I have one to one yoga classes once a week with my friend Marla. Um, and I wasn't doing any of that. Mm. So. Perhaps if I was doing that, because my body would have been more supple and whatnot, that wouldn't have impacted me in much. And then um, I had cold breeze on my neck and that just is enough to send me over. And I know as I'm getting older, I'm more sensitive to these things. So I have to do stuff to look after myself. So I know that that definitely um, exacerbated it. So it really is a way of life. No, it is. And as they say, and I always say to my clients as well, if you don't use it, you lose it. So you lose it. You know, the body starts to close off yeah, because yeah. and our lifestyle we sit on um you know on chairs, our hips become tighter because we don't use it. You look at yeah. someone else, I you know, like if I try to squat, I can't squat because my hips are tight, but um, this is the year that I'm gonna work towards getting my yeah. hips open because you know, I wanna be as mobile as possible. And a lot of women now are starting to come back to yoga uh, retired because they're becoming sometimes the primary carer for their grandchildren. Yes. Mobile. Yeah. And if when longer, we don't want to rely on our children or family when you can do that you and, know you- and you know what the, it, death just comes faster when yeah. you're just sitting down idle 
exactly. Yeah. And Minister, we've got a minister for loneliness because people don't connect because they go home, they just sit there waiting for death to come. But if you're doing yoga, you're 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 building a community. You're out yeah. there. You're, you're talking to people. You're living, and Absolutely. you know, and, and you can still be doing things that you may thought you could never you could do. do. And again. I think starting mm-hmm. things at eighty. So for me, there's things I thought oh, I'll learn Italian. I haven't got time. But you know what? It will still, and now my mindset has changed that I may be able to fit it in at some point in my life. Exactly. We're not running Apple out here. There's time. (laughs) There is time. So, how can people find out more about what you're offering and find out about your workshops and your retreat and stuff like that? So, they can. Go to my website, thenobleartofyoga.co.uk, mm-hmm. and you can find me all over social media under Donna Noble Yoga or Curse on Yoga. So um, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, I'm all over the place. You can't find yeah, me. Yeah, I noticed you've got a YouTube. Hold on. You've got a YouTube channel with 11,000 subscribers. I have Hello. indeed. <laughs> Thank you. And you see, that happened by accident I haven't even promoted it what happened was obviously I've got two videos and I need to do more of those because I think one's got like over 160,000 views of curvy women doing yoga mainly American I think if I look at the stats but there's a need there so I need to go online and do I'll be doing some actually online classes as well because people Brilliant. say can't always come to yes. your class in London yeah let's do that and I you know and people seem to appeal, so I'm doing something right. But suddenly, I think one day, looks where did I get this five thousand from? And just seem to go up and up, up and up and up. And up. Wow! And that's, yeah, that's so brilliant. And I haven't been pushed. I need to push it again. But yeah. some are coming. I'm doing stuff. But if you, any questions, if you've got any questions about yoga, please feel free to message me. And just my advice, chief, if you think about doing yoga, yoga is for everybody, regardless yeah. of your shape, your size, your gender. Your color doesn't matter. There's so many benefits to get from doing yoga. And the reason why it's becoming so popular because it does work, yes. I can assure you. Yeah. Yoga changed my life and I wouldn't change a thing now. Brilliant, brilliant. Donna, thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. This has been a beautiful conversation. Um, I'm going to check out more about... Well, you said you only got two videos on your YouTube channel. There's more, but the two popular ones are done. There's right, more right, ones. Right, 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 okay. So what I'm going to do maybe summer, actually, another thing I did as well is I did a 30-day challenge, and I might do another one. So it was £30, I think, so it's £1 a day, and every day you get a 30-minute video that you just Please, do. Please, come on, we want it. I want okay. it. Let's okay, do I'll it. Again. I'll do it again. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, Donna. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yay, take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to 360 Conversations. I appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and I. I hope you found the episode useful. I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review my podcast like an increasing number of our digital experiences, the algorithms rule. Your feedback will assist me reaching a wider audience and I'd really love to have more women being privy to or joining these conversations. The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me more women could benefit. As always, I'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join me by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website or via social media at Live360. I hope to engage with you soon. Podcast produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. Take care.